Welcome to Three Thoughts On. This is Rafael, and today my guest is Brad Mason. Brad calls himself a reformed lawyer turned energetic executive with a track record of building strategic relationships. However, that's not the area of his life we will be discussing today. Brad is going to share with us the great work he's doing with the Give Team. Brad is the head coach and founder of the Give Team, which is the only inner city obstacle course racing and endurance event team in the United States, which is based in the Paramore neighborhood of Orlando, Florida. The Give Team program develops goal achievement and leadership skills while creating life-changing experiences for teammates. Team alumni have graduated high school, college, and graduate school while continuing to give back to their community. The team motto is, no matter how little you have, you always have something to give. Brad and I had a great conversation, and I encourage you to check out his work here in Orlando. You will truly leave inspired. And now, Brad Mason. Welcome to Three Thoughts On. Today we have Brad Mason from the Give Team. Brad, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Rafael. Great, it's great meeting you. Yes, nice to meet you. We do have a common friend in Joe DeSena. Joe is a great guy. He was on my podcast a couple of months back. And ever since, he's just been introducing me to these amazing people. He told me about you a couple of weeks ago. We connected, and I saw some of the work that you're doing, and I think it's fascinating. So what do we take the next couple of minutes and give us a little introduction on who you are and how did you come about doing this work that you're doing right now? Sure. I um, uh, And Joe, by the way, if he's nothing, he's a great connector. So he's done, he's done great work with us as well in supporting what we do, but uh uh, my name is Brad Mason. Um, I am a professionally. I work as a as a consultant in the fintech world. So I work with banks and credit unions around the around the country. Um, and uh, uh, here in the community, back in 2015, um, I started uh, what is the only inner city obstacle course racing and endurance event team in the country. Uh, and our our name is the Give Team, as you mentioned. Uh, our motto is: No matter how little you have, you always have something to give. Um, we're a, a, a program that's part of New Image Youth Center, which is an after school and summer program in the Paramore community here in Orlando. And uh, the Paramore community was not long ago named one of the 25 most dangerous neighborhoods in the country. So it's a home of it's 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 where there's high poverty, uh, there's high crime. Uh, there's high dropout rates uh, in a place where many say hope go to hope goes to die, uh, but the reality is when you go to that community, you realize the strength and the resilience of the people who live there, um, the kindness, the love, and uh, and the true strength of 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 many of those within that community. So, um, so that's who I am. That's uh, that's I guess my 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 passion is working with the with the young men and women of the Give Team. Um, and I've uh, been doing that uh, for, this will be, I guess we're going on our ninth year now, which is hard to believe. That is great. So when, you, when I look at your profile, in some ways we have a similar, a similar story. 
you obviously have a background, you know, as a professional, you know, you, you said that you, and your, when your website, it says you're a reformed lawyer turned energetic, energetic executive. Right. And, uh, for me, I had a long career as an engineer and now I'm doing this, uh, amongst other things in the health and wellness field. What happened? What, what, what drove you to, to take that step into giving to, to people who really need the help? Yeah, I, I grew up, um, we, one thing that we talk about as part of the team is that the one thing we all have in common is that we all have some kind of challenge that we're overcoming. And the reality is that although I had my challenges growing up, I did live a life of privilege. Um, and um, I, what I learned rather early, well, early on, I guess you could say in college, was how much I got by giving back to the community. Um, so I was involved in a lot of uh, a lot of volunteer type situations, and that fell away when I went to law school. As I got more focused on my career, um, and as I went away from the thing that I one of the things that I used to define myself was as an athlete because I was an athlete in high school and college. I played football in high school and rugby in college. Um, and as I got farther away from those things, I realized that there was something missing. Um, so it was around 2008, 2009 that um, I was working for another nonprofit uh, as a volunteer here in Orlando uh, when I met uh, Shantae Barton Stubbs, and she's the founder and executive director of New Image Youth Center. Um, and I got to know her. Um, I, uh, I went and, and spent some time at the center and just fell in love with what she was doing. Um, and uh, um, and it's one of those things that when you when you go to a place like New Image and you just feel the the energy that's there, it's uh, you know it's it's addicting. And um, um, so I, I got pulled in. I, I was working as an advisor for a short period of time, um, and then uh, became a member of the board of directors, uh, where I continued to to, to fill a, a role uh, with the center. Um, so that's really how I how I kind of came into it. Uh, with the Give team, it was 2015 um, and just this kind of funny sequence of events. I was trying to rediscover my, my inner athlete, uh, realizing that uh, a decade or so of, of, of sitting in a chair and, you know, eating bad food and all that wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't an athlete, right? But, I, but th that's really how I defined myself. And I realized that there was this conflict. Um, so I was getting out trying to run and and do things. And I had this this chronic Achilles thing that kept coming up. Um, and my son came home from Sea Cadets. Uh, he had a postcard and uh, it was a volunteer opportunity at an obstacle course race here in, in the following March. And this was in the fall. So I made a comment and I said, hey, that's really cool. That looks like that'd be a lot of fun. And he's like, and I had no intentions of running it. And he said, no, 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 dad. Yeah, I don't want you doing that. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well, you can't even run regular without getting hurt. So, um, so the gauntlet was thrown down, um, trained for it. And I, and I ran that race that March with, uh, with Akeem, who is an alumnus of the New Image Youth Center and a staff member. He's also a personal trainer. And we had such an incredibly you know, wonderful experience with the community in the obstacle course racing world that we thought, how can we take this and bring it back to the, to the young men and women, a new image. Um, and I already had the framework of a goal setting and leadership program, um, put together and it just came together. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, from there we started getting together on Saturday mornings and doing workouts. 
Uh, and then we now do, do, you know, obstacle course races and endurance events all around the country. That's fantastic. So can you tell, expand on that a little bit more? So you do have the workouts every Saturday morning. So that's a weekly type of thing. But then you also have these events that are on a different type of cadence, right? The events are what, once a month or every so often? Yeah, we'll do. So we try to have every season we'll have a cornerstone event. It started out, Rafael, the cool part is, you know, we didn't have a big budget or anything. And so we would look to have one event. And the, the whole idea was you train for that event. So it was an event at the end of the season. Well, as we started getting more attention through social media and otherwise, uh, we had invited to more and more opportunities to, to participate in the, in other events. Uh, and we'd just find a way to figure out how to get to, you know, somebody would come up with, Hey, you know, can you make it to Miami this weekend? Well, we would just figure it out. And that's one of the common threads of our program is just no excuses, you know, just find a way and go make it happen. You know, you don't get stronger by sitting still. So we would, we just figure out how to go do these things. And some, and there have just been some incredible experiences that have been created around this whole thing. Um, you know, as you're growing up in, in any environment, right, you only, you only do the things that you see in front of you. And if the things you see in front of you are the things that are happening on the corner of Paramore and Anderson, that's not really going to lead to a happy ending. Um, so if we can take our young men and women out of the community and show them other things, introduce them to other people, conversely, bring other people from outside the community in to to show them what's happening, but also introduce them to the to the young men and women that we work with. Um, that's where you see magic happening. And it's truly this whole concept of engaging. Um, and uh, and that's how you make change is by engaging. That's fantastic. And I, I fully agree with you. I think that one of those things that we take for granted, especially in this society, in this world of hyper-connectivity, is the power of exposing yourself to other opportunities, to expose yourself to situations that are outside of your comfort zone, right? That that's really truly where the growth, where the growth starts uh, unfolding for you. Now, let me ask you, I'd like to understand a little bit better how you got started. A, a few years ago, I was doing some, some voluntary work uh, with the Chopra Foundation, and we actually went to Paramore, and we went to a community center there, and it was on a Tuesday night. We met with a, with a bunch of the folks that are volunteering there to make things happen uh, for the kids. And one of the, one of the main themes that kept coming up during the meeting is the challenge in getting the kids to come to the community center. You know, the, the transportation, you know, some of them don't have a way to get there. Uh, some of them try to get there, but in between the home and the center, they get distracted and they never make it. Uh, some of them live with grand, grandparents, you know, grandma, grandpa, you know, and, and grandma and grandpa don't drive. And, you know, in Orlando, we don't have it's not like New York City, right, where you have a solid transportation system that can that people can take advantage of. So how did you go about solving that problem? It seems like you've solved that problem for your model. People, uh, the kids come. What did you do? How did you get started? Yeah, so there are two parts to that. Um, 
One is the logistical element, which you're hitting on. The other is, I don't know what you were doing when you were in middle school and high school at, at six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, but I wasn't getting up early to go out and, you know, get my ass kicked. Um, and so um, I've been impressed with how, you know, we've been able to make that happen. Uh, one of the things, one of the dynamics in the community is a lot of the, a lot of the families, several of them have been displaced uh, because of what's happening in that, in the Paramore community with development. Um, and a lot of them are moving to the Pine Hills neighborhood, which is about, it's about 20 minutes out of the way. Um, the, what I tell anybody who wants to do what we do, if you want to come work with us, let me know and we'll make it happen. Uh, what that means for me is getting up at four o'clock in the morning on Saturdays to go to Pine Hills to pick up the, 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 the guys who want to come uh, and make sure that they make it there. Uh, one of the the goals I have for this year, I, I, I want to get a, a van, a 15 passenger van that the center could also use, but that we could use on, you know, to, to be able to get more, get more kids. Um, there've been a couple situations where we've had to turn kids away just because of the, the logistics of how that would work. Um, but, you know, so you've got the two things and one is making sure that you've got the buy-in for the, for the guys who want to participate. You know, I tell, I tell them, I, I'm not going to ever force you to do anything. You got to want to come do this. Um, at the same time, if you tell me at five o'clock on Friday night that you're going to be showing up, you know, your 5 p.m. voice is a lot different than your 5 a.m. voice. If you tell me at 5 p.m. <laughs> you're going to be there and you don't answer your phone, I'll knock on the door. Um, and that's not something anybody wants at five o'clock in the morning because then your whole family wakes up and that's just not a good way to wake everybody up. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to do when I did this was recreate the experience I had playing varsity football in high school, which is that team environment. And that's the thing that, that draws a lot of the guys in is that not just the new image, um, the community that's there, which is very strong. It's an extension of family, a new image. We're a subset of that, that has that, I think, and, and, and takes that to another level by going out and and doing hard things together. When you do that, that you can't help but create bonds with one another, get to know each other a little more and knowing that you're out there working for the same thing. So, so that's really what it is. I think it starts with that sense of team, that sense of, of, of being a part of something that's more than just you at the foundation. And then just us trying to find a way to make that work, whatever that is. Uh, if it means three trips out to try to get everybody that, that wants to show up, then that's what it is. Oh, that's fantastic. So as you went through this, you said you're nine years in the making already. What are some of the things that, as you look back, at some point when you, when you take on anything like this, you run into some brick walls that maybe even for a split second, you think you're not going to be able to overcome, but then you do. And then you get through that, right? If you think back on that, what are some of those, those things that at one point felt like they were insurmountable, but then you and your team made it, made it through. There are a couple of times where we weren't sure how we were going to make it to certain events. Um, and we would come up with a way to do that. And without fail, those events turned into something that we could, we tell stories about. Um, and, and so it's figuring things out that way. There are other times we've been challenged to do things that we made maybe didn't know whether or not we could do, but we would end up doing them. Um, one of the things that, that happened during COVID, you mentioned Joe DeSena. Um, during COVID, uh, June of 2020, 
everybody was shut down except Florida opened up for about five minutes. And Joe found a way to get a race on the calendar in June of that, that same month. So we signed up and he came down and joined us for a workout on a Wednesday, the Wednesday before the, the, the race. So at the end of the workout, he challenged our guys and said, uh, hey, you guys should challenge yourselves and do 10,000 or do 4,000 burpees in 24 hours. Um, and our guys collectively rolled their eyes. Um, and he said, I tell you what, I'll make it worth your while. Whoever does that, um, I will put $10,000 in a pot and whoever, part- whoever completes 4,000 burpees in 24 hours will, will participate in that. So um, we guys were still a little skeptical you know, cause that's a lot of burpees and nobody loves burpees. So, uh, <laughs> did the race on Saturday. And then on Sunday we got together for breakfast as we typically do. That's part of our standard thing is after a workout, we, we usually grab breakfast. And I told the guys, I said, Hey guys, if you do the math on this 4,000 burpees in 24 hours is three burpees a minute. We could all do three burpees a minute. So, um, so we started training. And uh, and six guys who were consistently showing up to train. Um, Joe reached out and said, hey, I see you guys are serious about this on social media. If you do this, I want you to come up to my farm in Vermont and and do the burpees here. Um, So Joe arranged to get for us to get up there. We we rented again, middle of COVID, we weren't going to fly. So we, we rented a 15-passenger van, drove all the way up to, to Vermont, which was a, a trip in itself for the kids to cross that many state lines, check, check states off the boxes of places that they haven't been, um, and then spent a week. He had, he had three people come out, four people come out that, that, remember, they had to quarantine for a couple weeks ahead of time, and spent several days with our guys teaching them survival skills in the mountains of Vermont, things that you don't experience here on the big sandbar of Florida in, in, in Paramore. Um, and so they had a blast doing that. And then that Wednesday, we all nine o'clock in the morning, um, did 4,000 burpees, um, including me. And that's one of the things, whatever our guys do, I also do. So, um, three of our guys finished their burpees pretty quickly and decided to keep going. Um, and so three of them did 10,000 burpees in 24 hours. Uh, one of them learned that the world record was 10,111, so he did 10,112 uh, as a junior in high school. So, um, you know, just, just seeing these guys, what they've done is just, you know, you, you, when you engage in your community, you might think that you're going to, you know, strap an S on your chest and a cape in your back and go inspire the whoever it is you're going to go work with. That's not how it works. If you go in with the right mindset, you walk out far more inspired than you could ever think you know, before going in. So, uh, but yeah, that was, that was one of the examples of, of a challenge that was put to us that, you know, we weren't sure if we were going to do it or not and we were able to make it happen. So. What a great story. Let me, let me try to get on the other side of that story. So you have these kids. So how many of you said that went with you to Vermont six? Six. Yep. Tell me about them after they came back from that experience. I mean, that's gotta be, that's got to be life-changing for them. Like, who were they after they came back? Yeah, so that, that changed. I mean, I think it, it changed all of them because now they can say they did that thing. That's now a part of their story. And, again, if, you don't, if you're not bold and not, don't go out to try to do something you don't think you can do, then, you know, you're not going to have a story to tell. Um, and, and so all of them have that to tell. Smith is the one, uh, Smith Charles is the one who did the 10,112 burpees. 
a year later, um, GORUCK, we're, we're honored to be a, um, uh, a benefactor to a lot of what GORUCK does. And um, Emily McCarthy reached out to us in March or February of 2021 and said, hey, we want to do something for the GORUCK community and um, have them sign up for a challenge to rock 54 miles over the month of March. Um, and in doing that, they'll, they'll earn a patch and we want the give team to benefit from that. So we'll donate the proceeds to the give team. Are you okay with it? And I said, yeah, sure. Do it twice. That's awesome. You know? Um, <laughs> so uh, the 54 miles represents the distance between Selma to Montgomery, the, the March that Martin Luther King led in 1965 for voting rights. So I brought that back to the guys and I said, Hey, go ruck is doing this for us. Uh, and we'll be, we'll be doing 54 months, a couple miles a day over the month of March. Um, and Smith said, well, we should go do that. I said, no, no, we are. We're going to do the 54 miles over March. He said, no, 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 we should go to Selma and actually do that March. Um, and I said, well, we, you know, we're not trained for it. And he said, well, those marchers weren't trained. So I thought, well, damn it. Now I got to do 54 miles. <laughs> so, uh, we had a, a lady, we, we kind of knew who provided a support vehicle for us. She was phenomenal. She's a, a good friend of the program. Um, and we rocked from Selma to Montgomery. What took those marchers, uh, five days and four nights we did in, uh, in 27 hours. So, uh, but at that, that, and again, as a high school, at that point, he was a high school senior. Um, and now he has that on his resume of, of accomplishments, knowing that he's done that and he could do other hard things. Again, another fantastic story. So tell me about, are these kids that go through these things with you and they, they have a, a handful or maybe more of a handful of experiences with your program? How do they get that experience into the younger kids in the community? Yeah, that's a great point. So when I started this program, it was never intended as a little kid thing. It was intended as a varsity-like experience. Um, you know, uh, football had played a very, very big role in in my in, in me becoming a young man. Um, and, and it was because of the hard things that you had to do. It was because of, you know, fighting fighting the argument with what we call the baby voice in your head that wants to just not take it easy, you know, don't do hard things. Uh, and what we say is, you know, let's, you know, we all have that voice that tell that says, I don't think you can do this. And we want to force that conversation uh, and keep going. So um, what, what has happened is the younger guys see what the older guys are doing and they want to be a part of it. So, on our Saturday workouts, I've had to adjust because I can't have, you know, uh, somebody who's in fourth grade, you know, do a workout that's designed to go 54 miles. Right. Um, you know, I don't want to scar them. I, I want them to be enthused. I want to challenge them, but at the same time, they're not developed enough to be able to get the full value out of something that really challenges you as somebody that's in high school. So, um, so we dial it back on Saturdays and we will tailor the workout to the, to whoever shows up. Um, and, uh, and then a lot of times what we'll do is we'll hold a workout on Sundays for the older guys when we need to go out and do something a little bit more intense, but that's, that's been a cool thing that was an unintended benefit of this is really drawing in the younger guys. And then I've had to be a little bit more nimble in how we design what it is we do for, for whoever shows up. So what do they do during the week? I mean, you're, you're, 
you're doing all these things over the week and obviously, you know, cause maybe, you know, you got other things going on during the week, but, uh, to do one workout a week, um, and from what I'm hearing, they're, they're pretty intense unless you're doing something else during the, the rest of the week, it can actually get pretty painful pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. And so we talk about that. We, well, our, um, you know, our mission is to build a strong community and you can't build a strong community unless you're strong yourself. And I'll ask the guys at our first workout of the season, what does it mean to be strong? And everybody will talk about, you know, lift heavy weights or go far distances. Um, and both of those are correct answers. Uh, but being strong from our perspective is bringing your best energy to the moments that matter most. And what, what you need to do to do that is you need to be consistent um, but you also need to really think about those four building blocks of energy, which start physically, then go up emotionally, mentally, and then spiritually. And spiritually, not necessarily religious. It can be, but more, are you living consistent with the principles that you hold true? Um, and so that's, that's the concept of strength. We've, we've focused really on the physical. And so to get physically strong, you need to focus on four things also, sleep, nutrition, movement and then we focus on breath work so after our workouts we'll do about five minutes of breath work to calm the system down um we talk about consistency and that you can't go you can't go hard every day you've got to have uh, there's a book uh the power of full engagement written by jim lair and tony schwartz that talks about you know life isn't a a, a marathon but a, a series of sprints uh, periods of intense engagement followed by periods of intentional disengagement it's in, it's in that disengagement that you grow. It's in that disengagement that you recover and you build the muscle. You don't build the muscle by, by working hard. That's how you break it down. So we focus a lot on that and giving the kids the skills to understand at least what these things mean. Um, you know, we talk about sleep, like I said, sleep, nutrition, movement, breath work. Sleep's at the top for a reason, but I mean, I know they don't listen to me. I didn't, I wouldn't listen to me if I was their age, right? You got to learn that on your own. Um, but at least if I'm talking to them about it, somebody's saying something about it. When I was that at their age, nobody was telling me that, uh, you know, I, I just did whatever I wanted to do. I ate whatever I wanted to eat and, uh, and, you know, just would figure it out. Um, and a lot of times, you know, from a nutrition perspective, they don't have a lot of control of that either because there's not a whole lot at home. So if we can just at least talk about, you know, proteins, carbs, fats, you know, what it means to eat healthy, that at least they're aware of it. They know that if once they get, hopefully get to the point where they can have those choices, that they make the right choices. I can't remember the question you asked, but I think that, that, that <laughs> Oh yeah, no, actually it, it does address it. It does address because then it is those principles that then get them to during the week when you're not right. pushing them, not together. That yep. they have the foundation to push themselves to get, to be yep. ready for the next weekend. Right. Yeah, well, we have one thing. So at the end of every spring, um, once school lets out, we lose all momentum because you lose the structure of the school year of the of the school day. Um, so we started this about four or five years ago, um, the Give Team 15, and it is a series of 15 exercises over 15 minutes, 45 seconds on, 15 seconds off. Um, and we do it as a warm up for our workouts, but it can be a an ass kicker uh, in and of itself. So we have the give team 15 challenge in June where uh, we open it up to the team. And I tell the guys 
$100 to anybody who does the Give Team 15 every day for the month of June. Um, and so we'll be out on social media. Everybody will see. And I say you have to, your, the rule is you have to do it before nine o'clock. have to get up early and do it early at nine o'clock early in the summer. So get up before nine. You have to send me a video before nine o'clock of you doing it or a picture honor system, a picture of you before or after doing it. The aftermath is fine. Um, and you just got to do the work. Um, and, you know, it's a, one of those give team rules that we have is, you know, you, you know, consistency is what gets you the results. It's, you know, the goals don't get you the results. The planning doesn't get you the results. It's what you do that gets you the results. Um, and so that helps them get, you know, get engaged and stay engaged and do something physical through the week. Um, and then in mid mid month, what we do is we open it up for our community to say, all right, you guys do what the give team does for the last 15 days of the month. They'll get have 15 days to see the guys do it last 15 days of the month. You all do it and post about it, tag the give team so that everybody, and that gets a little adrenaline to the, to the team to see other people out in the community are doing what they're doing. Um, so they're not alone, even though they're alone by themselves doing it a lot of times, you know, they're not alone overall because somebody in California is doing it or somebody in Boston's doing it, um, which gives them a little bit of, of excitement. It's always really cool when you're in high school and you know, somebody's paying attention. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me, tell me something. One of the other topics that came out of that of those couple of meetings that I had um, out there in the community center was the fact that it was difficult to get kids involved into activities for two reasons. Well, three reasons. One we already talked about, which was the transportation, how, how to get the kids, you know, back and forth. But the other two reasons were the, the impact of social media in their lives today, and the interest that their family had on the activities themselves, right? So if if mom and dad or, or just mom or just dad or grandma and grandpa didn't really see the value and push them to go, the kids really wouldn't go on average, right? And then the distractions of social media and the TikTok and this and that and the likes and so forth, have you seen the same kind of things? And if so, how, how have you managed to, to get them to keep coming? Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's, that's, uh, I think a challenge of our, our society today. Um, part of it is leveraging social media as a vehicle to show the world what our guys are doing. So they see that. Um, and at the same time, I cannot minimize the benefit of new image youth center at the foundation of this. Um, I've, my dream for the give team is to set up other programs, other chapters throughout the country. Um, and I've worked with a couple people who have flirted with the idea. And as I've thought about it, um, you know, the, a big challenge is exactly what you're saying, which is where are you going to draw your kids? Um, I have the benefit of knowing a lot of these kids, even if I don't know them real well, I kind of know how they were raised because they came up through the center. Um, so I know that there's a foundation there. Um, and then I will, I will connect with the parents to make sure that they're, they're involved. I mean, that's important. I, I didn't do that at first. I was fortunate in that I had a group of, of guys who that really the, the initial group that really just wanted to do it. Um, and I got to know the parents, but it was more tangentially than it was intentional. And now it's an intentional thing. In fact, I want parents to come join us for a workout. You know, I mentioned how I'll tailor it for whoever comes. 
Um, you know, if there's somebody who comes with a, with a bad knee, well, we'll adjust what we do. Somebody comes with, you know, whatever the issue might be, we'll adjust it. But if you can move, come join us. Um, that's really the whole thing. Again, building a strong community means involving the community. Oh, exactly. I went through your webpage and I loved you have the give team rules. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there's a story behind that, especially because there's 89 rules. Tell me a little bit more about that and how did you how did that come to life? So it started with the first one, which is our team motto. Um, uh, no matter how little you have, you always have something to give. Um, if you don't have money, give time. Uh, if you're too busy, give effort. If you're too tired, give a, give a hug, give a smile, give a compliment, give kindness. Uh, but whatever you do, be strong, give more. Um, you get stronger by giving, not by getting. So that's our first, no matter how little you have, you always have something to give. That's our first motto. And then the second one, which is almost as strong as the first, is life is a team sport, draft accordingly. So we do far more together than we do apart. This concept of team is really important with what we do um, and knowing that we're always looking to build our team, um, that we all have people who are on our team who we know will help us get where we want to go. At the same time, there are people on our team that might not get us where we want to go. We need to make sure that we, we put them where they belong. I, some of you can't kick off your team. There might be some members of your family that are getting in the way from, of where you want to go. You can't kick a family member off your team, but you can acknowledge the role that they play and, and make sure that you put, put them where they belong on the team. Um, and then it just followed from there. And to be honest, most of those rules came about during a workout when I was just this side of having a heart attack. Um, and I'd come <laughs> up with, oh, hey, this is a good idea. Um, so I'd write it down. Some of them are stolen. In fact, most of the concepts here, almost all of them are, you know, pulled from somewhere that is not me. It's just assembling it in a way that, you know, is malleable enough and resonates enough with the, with the kids we have working with us. Yeah, no, I love them. I went through them and there was a handful of them. I mean, again, I, all of them resonate in some way or form. There was a couple of them that were, I thought were very, very interesting because they're right in alignment with a lot of the stuff that I do for, for the mentoring that I do. And I think it was, uh, I wrote it down here in number 24, thoughts lie, words lie, actions never lie. And I tell you, Brad, that is one of the hardest things to convey to people these days. We live in a time where humans are more certain about more things than in recorded history. You know, I'm a little bit of a, a history fan, so I, I tend to go back hoping to find answers for you know current problems. And we just seem so certain about so much. And then that allows us to then get stuck and then be okay with that stuck. And we don't realize that from a neuroscientific point of view, we really shouldn't believe everything we think. And we shouldn't believe everything we believe. We should question everything. And the moment you put that out there in front of a person, you get this look, you know, <laughs> you get this, this, this resistance. But the reality of it is, is our mind lies to us all the time. And people don't realize that our brain 
in its evolutionary process from the last 3 million years, it's looking for the easiest pathway. It's looking for the path of least energy consumption because that's its job. Its job is, is to manage the energy consumption throughout the whole body of every organ, every function, every process. So it's looking to do less because that's how we stay alive, at least from an evolutionary point of view. But that goes against what we're trying to do here. We're trying to grow. We're trying to challenge ourselves. And to do that, we really have to challenge what we think. So as you go, as I read that, I'm like, well, this was an interesting one. How do you tell that to teenagers in the community? And what kind of reactions do you get from them? Yeah, I think, so if you take what you said, right, that, that people know what they know and they think they know everything, the result of that is a lack of empathy. And if you don't have empathy, then you're, we're, we're breaking, you know, the, the, the fundamental or the foundation of society is, I think, crumbling if you don't, if you can't relate to those who are around you. As young men and women, Right. I, th- I mean, I remember this in high school. Um, you know, th- th- there was this fragile invincibility that I had. Um, you know, I, I, I was all state in high school and, in football and and, you know, um, was was I, I got good grades and I was going to go conquer the world. At the same time, that was very, very fragile because there was a level of overconfidence mixed with this uncertainty uh, and um something that I think gets cured with the right exposure and exposing yourself to the hard stuff. So if we're, if we're going to build a strong community, the way you do that is by doing uncomfortable things. And if you know it all, then there's no, there's no discomfort in that. You're already comfortable, right? So I've learned so much in putting myself in spots where I did not feel comfortable at all. Um, and if I go in there with a, with a mind to learn, um, and figure out things instead of coming in thinking that I already know everything, then I change. And then hopefully the energy that I'm giving out helps change everybody around me. Um, but, but I agree with you hundred percent that, that, you know, I, I call it, we've got this crisis of community in our country right now that stems from this false confidence of knowing everything because you have access to everything and not challenging those things that you already know Um, and listening to that voice, as you said, right. Listening. And, you know, we, we call the the most powerful voice between your ears, the baby voice, the one that wants to to get you, as I mentioned earlier, right. Wants you to want you to be comfortable. Um, And um, it's an issue. I think that, that people are becoming more aware of it. I have hope that, you know, will get over this and that this little rectangle we have in our pocket that has all this information becomes more of a tool and a menace. Um, but right now we're at a, I think at a critical juncture of, for, for the, you know, for, for what that's going to mean. Oh, that, and you're absolutely right. And I a hundred percent agree with you. We have two issues. One of them is, is this hyper certainty. We're, we're so certain about so many things. And then there's this hyper-individualism that we can do things on our own and we don't need anybody and we can isolate. And I love the fact that you, with your work and your team, you're attacking both of those in some of the toughest areas. So I, I think this is wonderful. 
unfortunately, we're out of time. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I had so many, so many other things I wanted to talk about. Maybe we can do this again in the future, but we could take the last couple of minutes for you to kind of leave people with how do they get involved and how do they help you with this work that you've, this work that you're doing that is you know, so wonderful. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think if you want to follow the give team, the best way to do that is through Instagram. Um, we put a lot of our stuff out there um, and we're at the give team on Instagram. Um, our website is uh, thegiveteam.org. Um, so feel free to go out there and follow what we're doing. Um, and, and feel free to get in touch with me by email. Uh, my email address is uh, brad.mason at and this is long, just keep pouring. So there are two P's in there, J-U-S-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-U-R-I-N-G.com. And, you know, I I welcome the conversations. If you're coming to Orlando, a lot of people come to Orlando to to visit that fake mouse with uh, the happiest place on earth. Um, We've got real mice and I can show you a place that the Chamber of Commerce won't tell you about. uh, And we'll have a blast. It'll only change your life. Nothing more, nothing less. This is fantastic. Brad, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for making the time. Uh, I will come and visit you um, at, as soon as I can. I definitely want to try those workouts, meet some of those kids, and, and see what, what can I do to, to shed more light to what you're doing to give you more resources so that you can continue to, to touch more lives. I appreciate it, Rafael. I really do. Appreciate your time this afternoon.